As we continue in our series on the church, uh, we've got two passages that we're going to be looking at today. So I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, and I want you to take your Bibles or apps and go to two passages, Acts 16 and Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with where these two passages are found, these two books, uh, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents. There you're going to find that the Bible's broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Both of these books are located in the New Testament. Acts is five books in, and then Ephesians is five books after Acts. Uh, so five and five. So Acts 16 and Ephesians chapter four. Um, if you're in an app, uh, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, you'll find that Acts is about two thirds of the way down that list. And then when we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter four, just pull that list back down and go five books later uh, to Ephesians. And we'll be in chapter four there. Now, do you know what this is? It's a shingle. It's a Spanish tile shingle that's actually off of the roof of my own house. Now, this particular shingle holds a special place for me because on April 15th of this year, this shingle caused me to fall from my roof. Uh, it was a nice day outside. Um, I had taken the day to do some work around my house. And one of the things I was doing was I was going up to my roof so that I could install uh, a little thing that kept woodpeckers away. And as I climbed up the ladder, I had stepped off with my left foot onto this very shingle. And as I shifted my weight to put my right foot onto uh, the roof as well, this shingle cracked and broke out from under me and I fell backwards onto the ground below. What happened was ultimately I had hit my head quite badly. I had a concussion. I uh, had hit a sidewalk part way down my body and where my body had hit the sidewalk was where my L3 vertebra is located and that vertebra broke. It, there was a hairline fracture down the middle of it and the little wing that sticks out off of your vertebrae, I snapped that vertebrae, I broke it completely. And if you've known me for very long or you were around in that day uh, during back in April and May, I was stuck to a bed, I couldn't get out, I couldn't move, I couldn't do a whole lot because I had literally broken my back. But look at me now, I'm most of the way healed. Uh, by February, the doctors are saying that I should have complete healing in that vertebrae and then it'll just be the process of retraining my muscles and getting my body back into the shape it was before I fell. And I completely 100% attest and recognize that the reason I am uh, healing so well is because God is doing that work within me. I mean, the doctors have all told me that uh, had I fallen just a couple of inches in either direction, it could have killed me or permanently paralyzed me. But I landed, according to the exact words of my neurologist, 
I landed in the most ideal way possible. And that's not a coincidence. That happened because God's hand was watching over me that day. And God's hand has continued to heal me uh, from the injury that I sustained back on April 15th. We are all in need of healing. Every single one of us is in a spiritual state of brokenness. We're always in a process of healing that God is doing within us. That's, that's what the Bible calls sanctification. It's this process by which we recognize sin and our immaturities and all of those various aspects that are not godly. And God begins the process through maturity and repentance to heal the brokenness that sin has caused in our lives. But what do we do with that healing? If we've received this beautiful, miraculous healing in the name of Jesus, then isn't there some kind of response or reaction or action steps that we should be taking because we are being healed by the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving Savior of the universe, Jesus? Well, I would challenge you today that there is a very clear response that we should take because we've received this healing. And I think that response is actually found in Acts chapter 16. So take your Bibles or your apps and turn with me. We're gonna read Acts 16, one through five, just the first five verses. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse one, it says this, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. I want you to notice what's happening here between Paul and Timothy. Timothy was this young man in Lystra, and he had come to know the Lord through the ministries of his mother and his grandmother. Well, how do we know that? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. Paul is speaking directly to Timothy, and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. You see, Timothy came to know Jesus, came to believe in Jesus because his grandmother and his mother spoke faith, shared the life-changing hope of Jesus into Timothy's life. And let me just say for just a moment, parents and grandparents, hear me. We have a special and unique calling in the Lord. We are commanded to raise our children up in the Lord. We see this in Timothy through the ministry of his grandmother and his mother, but we also see it commanded very clearly in Deuteronomy 6 and many other passages throughout scripture. The Bible's clear, parents and grandparents. We are called 
to direct, to lead, to raise our children up in the faith of Jesus Christ. That's what we see here in the life of Timothy. But Timothy is... Uh, Someone in Lystra, Paul comes to Lystra and hears about, meets, and is very impressed with Timothy's faith. At some point, I'm sure that Paul recognized that Timothy was being called to a unique ministry by God. And, And so Timothy was encouraged by Paul and Paul trained him, equipped him to go and do ministry. I mean, there are two full letters, two full books of the New Testament that are directly written by Paul to Timothy. That's how big of a role Timothy played in Paul's life and vice versa. Paul was a direct mentor and guider to Timothy. So he was sent out later by Paul to go and help lead the churches that Paul had already established all over the known world at that time. So Paul had gone around and through the ministries of Barnabas and Mark, uh, they had started all these churches and Paul later sends Timothy to these churches to help guide them and direct them. Listen to what Ephesians 2 verses 19 through 24 says. Ephesians or Philippians, Philippians 2, 19 through 24. It says, Paul's speaking, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive good news about you. For I have no one else like him who will so genuine concern, show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So I hope therefore to send him also, send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Paul had entrusted so much ministry to Timothy because Paul had taken Timothy under his wing and had trained him and equipped him and helped him learn how to go and do ministry. And here's the thing. First off, we're all called to go minister. Ministering is not the role of just a pastor or a minister in a church. Every follower of Jesus is called to minister, to serve, to, to, to do the things that the Lord has called them to do. We're all called to minister, but we're also all called to raise up other ministers. We're all commanded to go and not just do ministry, but recognize who the, the next minister or the next generation of ministers are to be and to train them and to prep them for the work that God has in front of them. That, that's exactly what Paul is doing here in this account from Acts chapter 16. He's recognizing what God is doing in the life of Timothy and he's training him up to go and do the work of Jesus. Paul recognized that we have a responsibility not just to minister, but to lead others to minister as well. So 
This leads me to our next passage, Ephesians chapter four. So again, if you're in a physical Bible, open up to uh, the passage you're in, Acts chapter 16, and scroll through, you'll go through five books until you get to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four. If you're in an app, just pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Ephesians is five books after the book of Acts. So Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna begin in verse 11. So as you're finding Ephesians 4 verse 11, let me tell you what Paul has addressed so far in the book of Ephesians. He tells the Ephesians that he is so proud of the, the, the maturity and the faithfulness they have and how they have shown grace to those around them and how their, their church is growing. And then he prays for spiritual strength for them in this church. And then in the first 10 verses of chapter four, where we're at right now, he prays and instructs them in unity. So he's, he's speaking about unity. So keep that in mind in regards to where we're gonna pick up in verse 11. He's been driving home this idea that the church is called to be united. The way a body is united in one purpose. The eyes can't function outside of the body, but the hands and the feet and the organs assist the eye in what it's called to do. And likewise with the hand and the foot, all of the parts of the body work together in unity to do whatever it is the body needs done. And so Paul is speaking to the Ephesians church and saying that we are called to that same type of unity in, one, in Christ. And so now pick up with me in Ephesians 4 verse 11. He says this, and he, meaning Jesus, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Verse 15, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Paul is recognizing that we are all called to equip be equipped, and he gives a list of different roles that are in the church that are driving towards being equipped so that we can be united, so that we can, in unity, grow the body of Christ. But I want you to notice something very specific. Look with me again in verse 12. Ephesians chapter four, verse 12. It says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, I wanna, I wanna hang on that statement for just a minute. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, we are called to equip the saints. 
That is one of the the great directions that we're called, Uh, even the Great Commission that we've talked about a lot over the last few months. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all of my commands. And it continues on. That, even in itself, is an act of equipping the saints. It's growing the church. It's leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. You see, we're called to equip, but the word here for equip has a multi-layer meaning. You see, this book that we're reading from, Ephesians, was originally written in the Greek language. And the Greek language is a little different than the English language, and their words can have multi-layer meanings. And this word here in Greek originally had one of those multi-layer meanings. It meant to prepare something for use. So uh, when the Bible translates this word as to equip, it, that makes sense. It could mean to prepare something for use, but it also had a, a multiple, multiple layer meaning. Uh, the second meaning being for something to be mended or to be folded in preparation for its next use. Uh, For example, if you go back into the book of Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the first four books of the New Testament. They're commonly called the Gospels. They're the biographies of Jesus. Mark, in in his recording of the early life of Jesus, in Mark chapter one, verse 19, he goes out and he calls uh, two fishermen to follow him. But in verse 19, it says that when Jesus encounters these two brothers, they're in a boat and the word, the same word used here in Ephesians 4 is used in that passage saying that they are mending their fishing nets and folding them so that when they go back out the next day to go fishing, the nets are mended and folded and ready for use. You see, we have an aspect of equipping that recognizes our brokenness and our need for healing and recognizing the brokenness of others and their need for healing. And this leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened to one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that summarizes the main point of that week's drive, that week's message. And today's big idea is this, healing people lead people to healing who lead people to healing. It's a long one, but let me say it again. Healing people lead people to healing who lead people to healing. You see, we are all broken people. It doesn't matter if we are saved, uh, if we believe in Jesus or we don't, We're, we're broken by sin. Sin has broken us and, and we need someone to come in and heal us. We can't do the healing on our own. And so we're all need all in need of mending, of healing. We're all in need of being prepped, like the nets being folded so they'll be ready for the next day. We need to be mended and prepped, folded, prepped, getting ready for the next thing that God has for us so that we will be prepared to go out and do the work of Jesus. That's the meaning behind equipping the saints here in Ephesians chapter four. You see, 
it's not that we, equipping the saints is not meaning that we're filling a toolbox full of tools that we're gonna go and take to go do a job. That, that's not the, the, the ultimate meaning of this word in Ephesians chapter four. When Ephesians chapter four says equipping the saints, it means that we are being used by God to fix broken people because we are broken people. And when we are used by God to be the instrument by which God fixes broken people, those broken people will move on to be used by God to fix more broken people. You see, we've, we've got to wrap our minds around this idea of equipping, not as filling a toolbox, but more as recognizing that we're broken and God is in the process of healing and we take that healing to others. And when we take that healing to others, they take that healing to yet more people. So go back to an idea that I said earlier. Paul recognized that everyone who is a follower of Jesus is being called to go do ministry. Well, why? Why are we all called? It's because we realize that we are sinners. Just as Romans three says, we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners, which means we are all broken and we need a healer. We need Jesus. And when we recognize that we're broken and we're not perfect, and we need someone to come and heal our brokenness, it changes how we see the world. And maybe you're listening right now and maybe you're not a believer in Jesus. Maybe you've never come to a place where you've placed your faith in him, you've followed him. But maybe right now you're recognizing that yes, you are a broken person in a broken world that you could use healing. And let me just say this, Jesus wants to offer you that healing. Jesus wants to guide you to believing in him so that you can begin the process of being healed from the brokenness that sin has caused in your life. And if you've got questions about that, if you wanna know about, know more about what Jesus has done for you in his death and his resurrection, and how he extends forgiveness to you from your sins and in turn brings you healing from your sins. If you wanna know more about that, I want you to reach out to us. I want you to go to our website, click on the contact us page. There's actually a direct link in the post of this video. Go to that direct link, click it, fill out that form on the contact us page of our website and we will reach out to you as soon as possible. And we would love to connect with you and answer any and all questions that you may have about Jesus and the healing that Jesus offers. So, so don't hesitate to reach out to us today. But we are all called to ministry. But in order to do the ministry, to do the work that Jesus has for us, we must recognize that we are sinners that have been broken by sin. But we're being healed by Jesus. And in turn, we're not given a, a set of tools to go and do work, but we are called to go and take the healing we've received and extend it 
to other broken people in need of healing. When we realize that as he is actively healing us, we can then lead others to the healing that he provides in their lives. And so I want us to conclude today with asking ourselves where we are in this process of healing and sharing that healing with others. First off, do you recognize that you are broken and that you're currently being healed? Guys, let, let me just say, we will never find completion in our healing until we go to eternity. So we're always in the process of healing. We're always in the process of being healed more and more and more. So where are you in that process? And then how are you leading others to the healing that you've experienced? If you recognize that you're broken and you're in need of healing, how are you taking that healing to other broken people? Let's take a moment. And let's ask God to point out to us, first off, our need to be healed. The fact that we are broken, that we are affected by sin. We're not perfect. We never will be perfect until we go to eternity. Let's go to God and help us, ask him to help us recognize that. But then secondly, let's go to the Lord and ask him who it is or what ministry it is that he's calling us to so that we can take the healing that we've been given and extend that healing to other people in need of healing. So will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we thank you for the healing that you have given us through your son, Jesus Christ. We praise you for who you are, for your love for us, and how you provide as the great healer, you provide healing in our lives from the brokenness that we've experienced because of sin. And Lord, we pray that you'll first off, help us to recognize our brokenness, help us to recognize that we're not perfect and we don't have it all together. And help us to recognize the healing that you are doing in our lives. But Lord, beyond that, past that, we pray that you would help us to see that the world around us needs that healing as well that there are people in our lives who don't know you, who are far from you, who are broken in their sin, who are dead in their sin, and who are in desperate need of your healing. So Lord, we pray today that you would help us, that you would guide us into helping others see that healing, that they could be led to the life-changing hope that only can be found in Jesus. So use us to do that. Help us to recognize the opportunities that you place in our lives to help others experience healing. Help us to recognize the people around us that you're calling us to mentor, to equip, to, to, to do ministry as well. So Lord, we thank you for this time. And we pray that you would continue to guide us in the process of healing in being mended by you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.